Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. Man, I'm sitting here. I'm looking outside. I got a beautiful window behind me because we're still in July as we record this. And we're still not in the podcast studio. Now, as I talked about last time, these are not big problems in the world. There are way bigger problems than me not being able to be in the podcast studio. Um, but it's also kind of nice. I'm looking out at, I'm actually looking out at horses and trees and a, a beautiful ranch. Um, not as beautiful setting as my guests where he's at. I can see where he's at right now, but we're, we're going to get to him in a minute. Um, I want to talk about, and this is perfect for today based on who our guest is. The world that we're in right now has created circumstance upon circumstance and upon circumstance for people to have excuses and reasons and justifications for why they can't hit their goals, why they can't make money, why they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't. And I'm not saying that everyone's doing that. Plenty of people are out there making things happen. Um, But there are a lot of people that are like, well, I can't personal train right now because I got, you know, I got a family and I got to put my money towards where it goes. Or I guess I can't buy organic right now, or I guess I can't start that business right now, or I can't take that vacation or whatever it is because of the circumstances of life. And I think it's great to take into account that, you know, things are a little rocky right now. We don't know what's going to happen in a lot of ways because of COVID, because of, um, let's say, uh, um, a lot of political uprising, a lot of uh, racial empowerment uh, protests and conversations. So we're in, a, we're in a really unique space. And if you look at li- life and the history of human beings, there's always shit going on. There is always problems. There's always unrest. There are always wars. There are always economies going up and down. And the people that make it and the people that create the things that they want. Now, that doesn't have to be financial. That could be people that create uh, spiritual revolutions or um, racial you know, revolutions or political revolutions or make a lot of money or start businesses or people that do it despite circumstance. Now, our guest today, uh, I'm really looking forward to hear what he has overcome and what he's done because what he's done already at a really young age is very impressive. So, He's uh, the founder of Lacad Advertisement, an advertising agency, and he's partnered with over 20 businesses and generated over $10 million in online revenue, $10 million. That's huge for most people, but it's even more impressive because he's 24 years old. He's consulted for some social media, for some uh, big social media people. He's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Yahoo Finance. And remember, he's 24 years old. He's also founded two 
other six-figure companies, as well as consulted for tons of other things. He, um, he was just telling me how he now lives bi-coastal between Miami and LA, uh, which is pretty cool in itself. I think the thing that I'm really present to is, man, when I was 24 years old, there were a whole lot of reasons why I was like, I'll do that later. Uh, I can't do that now. I don't know what to do. And I think, you know, age is just another circumstance that people use against themselves. So I'm really interested to hear how he's been able to overcome circumstances and how he's doing it still now in the, the interesting world we live in. Uh, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast, Renee Lacad. How are you doing, man? Alex, how are you? By the way, I do have to say, being young still comes with its distractions. So you made me sound really good, but there are still a ton of distractions that come with being young that I hate because I know they're distractions, but sometimes I'm just like, eh, I'm going to give in to this one. So, but it, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I think the thing is there's distractions at any age, right? As you, when we get older, our health becomes a bigger distraction when maybe we're in and obviously everybody, it works different because age is, is just a relative thing. But like, you know, I think when you're in your 20s, your 30s and 40s, for a lot of people, the distraction is like their family, their kids, um, you know, things like their parents getting older. I th so I think age, no matter where you are, it comes with its own set of distractions, right? In high school, it was like whatever opposite sex or whatever sex, yeah. same sex you were into is a distraction. You know, the getting in trouble or playing your sports or whatever was a distraction. Drugs were a distraction. There's always. Oh, true, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just I, I just want to hear your thoughts on what I was talking about, about like the current environment, the situation that we're living in, specifically here in the United States. If you know about the rest of the world, feel free. But how has it impacted you, all that's going on? How has it impacted the life of your, you know, your businesses, your family, your friends? And how are you kind of continuing to move forward? So there's, I think there's a couple of things with that, because I have talked to other people about this stuff. Um, but one, it's, it's almost like a, a break. Like everyone wanted a pause, like, oh, life is so fast, I'm so busy. And they finally have this break that they've been wanting. They get to go and assess their life. Like during this quarantine, I like business, I've started another business and it's doing pretty well, but I've also learned how to play piano or kind of got, fell back in love with it. Cause that's an important part too. Like enjoying yourself, music, kind of learning, uh, learning new things. But it gives people a time to just learn whatever they've wanted to learn. Because everyone says, oh, I don't have time. That's always been, it's either time or money is the biggest excuse. And it's like, well, shoot, now you have time. The world forced you some time. And if you still didn't do it, that wasn't really a thing. It wasn't really an excuse. Or it wasn't really the real reason. It was you bullshitting and blaming something else. So I think now that we have all this time, uh, it, everyone has no excuse. It takes away people's excuses. On the flip side, I do also understand people are feeling a little like sad by everything going on right now. It's, it's a little weird, it's unprecedented. But uh, I think, again, it's just something you grow from. You grow from, because that's where you grow from situations like this. I was, uh, you just reminded me, I was just watching, um, you would have been super young because you're yeah. like oh, a little over 10 years younger than me. And I was like, so you would have probably been like 10 years old or something. Did you ever watch the show Lost? I, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Okay. I watched it Lost. Mm -hmm. So my, my girlfriend had never seen Lost. 
she's a little she's like 10 years younger than me she had never seen it she knew what it was but she had never seen it and we were like messing around on the tv the other day and i was like we should watch lost like i wonder if it's dated i wonder what it would look like watching it back you know the show came out in 2005 it's 15 years old and so we started watching the first season and there's a scene in the first season where um there's this guy who's kind of like, the, he's like a hunter. And then there's this guy, he's like a drug addict. And basically he takes his drugs from him and he really wants them back. And he's like, if you ask me three times, I'm going to give them back to you. But, and he's, and the guy's like complaining about how hard it is because the withdrawals and whatnot. And he shows him this little cocoon, this little moth cocoon. And he's like, see this, you know, the moths spin their own silk. And he's like, everybody focuses on butterflies, but we don't focus on the moth. The moth is stronger more powerful, it's actually a more beautiful like creature. And he goes, and they spin these things of silk and inside when they're in these cocoons before they come out and fly, they have to like battle their way through these cocoons that they've spun to get out this hole that they have at the very top. And he's standing there and the hunter guy's like, you know, I could cut a little slit and help this moth get out of the cocoon. He goes, but if I did that, the moth would likely die early in its life because it didn't get strong enough to survive in the world. And he says, nature's way of making us strong is, to is by making us struggle. You just, you just reminded me of that in, in your, your sharing. Um, what do you think about that, that idea? Dude, we're like five minutes in, that's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, so, it's so true. Like I, when you were saying it, it's very, it was very captivating, very captivating story, but like, it's so true. Like you only grow by doing, because pe people think now, people skip to like now when they see me now on social media or wherever. They're, I, made, I just made a video about saying, a lot of people have called me lucky. I'm like, lucky? What was lucky about it? Like I had, growing up, I had a single mom. She was an immigrant. So it's like having a single mom wasn't enough. She was an immigrant too. Our household, me growing up until I was like, I don't know, 16, 17, never made more than 40 grand a year. Never. Yeah. People were like, oh, you're like lucky. And I was like, how did I get lucky? And then on top of that, all this cool shit that I have now, I didn't have it until about a year and a half ago. So it's like, you see the past year and a half, two years of my life, and you say, oh, I'm lucky. You didn't see the other 22 years where I'm struggling, going through those uncomfortable situations. Um, really dark times and out I came a moth right but I have to go through those cocoons so mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing that usually a lot of the most successful people I've met have gone through the most things you I want you actually just brought up something that I, I would love to hear a little bit more about um you said where, where did your mom immigrate to the U.S. from she was a I'm, I'm Filipino so like she came from the Philippines Okay. Um, I've been doing a lot of, of podcasts recently on like race and inclusion and diversity. And one of the things I love about it is like, we don't know what it's like to be in another person's shoes unless we actually like let them tell us what it was like to be them. And so I'd just be curious, like as you know, your first generation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So first, first generation, single, single mom situation, not growing up with a lot of money. Um, what was the hardest challenge about like, you know, did you feel different than like the other people around you, wherever you grew up? Did you feel the same? Like, what was the hardest thing to overcome because of like that 
situation. Shit, where do I start? Um, Please take as much time as you I want. Guess, I guess one. I guess one. One big part was yes. I was like growing up in school because I only had my mom to teach me this stuff. I didn't learn about like American culture. So like I'm kids are doing certain things, and I'm like, what are they doing? Like, what is that? Even even to this day, like manners. People say I have no manners. It's not that I don't have any manners. It's just where growing up, like I grew up in a house. It was me, my mom, my mom, and my little brother. So it was, and my mom was always working. So it was me and my little brother just left to our own devices the entire day. So we're just freaking bouncing off the walls. As soon as she gets back, we're like, ah, crazy. So now, like in the real world, right? Like I, I was having dinner at my, my friend's house. And uh, her mom, like, was setting stuff up. I had never experienced, like, that, like, traditional dinner setup. Like, everyone has dinner and stuff. and they set up forks and knives and plates and everyone cooks and it's all like jolly. Like in my house, it was like my mom got home. She was really tired. And uh, she was just like, what do you want? Let's go get tacos. I was like, okay, cool. We got tacos, ate them, went to bed, went to school the next day. So it was, I'd never had that like family experience. And on top of that, we're like, the Philippines is very like, it's, it's almost like Spanish culture. So it's very rough. Like, like you show someone you love them in a very like abrasive way, I guess. It's not like, oh, you're gonna do great. It's more like, like because they love you, they'll yell at you and you'll be like, oh my God, okay. That's what I, growing up, that's like how I always felt like love was. So me and all my friends would always just be like that. I love that point about like, there's nothing wrong with the way, there's nothing wrong with how it went you and your mom and your brother like she was doing what she had to do to survive we should like pat her on the back right. for making it happen right but there are things right that you didn't learn you know like i you know i um there's a funny i think this is pretty funny it's like when it shows how how righteous and a jerk i was i was in a situation like basically the opposite of you i went on this date um i don't know i don't know how long ago like but i went on this date with this with this woman and she shows up and she looks beautiful and she's got everything all like very together. And we sit down and I order, we're at this bar and I order like some little like appetizers. Well, I, I think I know how to be kind of proper and polite, but I don't, to me, that is, that's not fun. That's not living. Like I want to eat with my fingers. I want like sauces running down my hands. I want to lick my finger. You know, I want to like <laughs> get in there and enjoy the food. And I know that's sometimes a turnoff to people. People are like looking at me like this guy's a monster. Um, so I'm sitting there with this woman and she gets this little case at the end. She cuts it up into like, almost like she measured it. She cuts it up into little tiny triangles, like little cases that get cut up even smaller. And she takes her fork and she uses a fork to pick it up. I'm like eating the whole thing with my hands. And as she puts it in her mouth, she covers her mouth. She like daps her mouth with the, with the, the napkin. And I look at her and I'm like, hey, you don't, have, you don't have to do that. And she's like, do what? And I'm like, I, you don't have to be all proper and polite like with me. Like, you don't. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, if you're pretending and being like this whole routine, it's going to take a long time for us to get to know each other. I think I'm like being like, hey, be yourself, be free. Yeah. I had a friend after that date didn't go very well and I never heard from this girl again. <laughs> and uh uh, a friend of mine, another female says to me, you're an asshole. 
maybe that's how she was raised to eat like just like that. And you, because you weren't raised to be that proper, you projected your shit about how you should be able to just enjoy it onto her. And I was like, oh shit, I thought I was being nice. Like, you know, you don't have to. And, and I, I hear that in your thing too, is like, there's no right way, but we think about like you, when you were watching, like, you're like this jolly little me. <laughs> um, so thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your upbringing. Um, how did you learn? How did you go from like this space where you and your brother are kind of just like doing your thing as little kids? There's not a lot of structure, it sounded like, like, like traditional yeah. structure to getting to a place like where you became this successful entrepreneur. Like what's the what was the gap in between? Was it college? Was it not? Like what happened? So I've always had entrepreneur, just, just to preface this, I'm not saying that you have to be born an entrepreneur, but I feel like I've always had entrepreneur in my DNA and throughout the years, I just refined it. Um, and it all starts with just wanting it, wanting it. For me, the exact moment was I uh, was working at a Chinese restaurant, washing dishes a guy with a suit comes in and I was like, this guy looks rich. Let me ask him. Like, I didn't understand. Like I said, I didn't have those manners where I'm like, don't ask people what they do or how much money they make. I was just kind of mm -hmm. like, dude, you have a suit on. What do you do? Do you make a lot of money? And then it turns out he was a car salesman. So I was like, right. shoot, how do I, how do I start doing what you do? Did you need a degree? He's like, no, just go apply. So I apply and selling cars for a little bit. Um, and once money starts coming in, like, I've always, it's always a curiosity to want to do more and do better. So, cause that curiosity will pull you. It's almost like it, it's, there's no direction. Like when people say, Oh, what's your best advice? I'm just like, Oh, look at everything. Be curious. Cause the curiosity will always pull you. I feel like now I still succeed because that curiosity pulls you. So then from there I was selling cars and that curiosity was pulling me again. So uh, at the car dealership, they, they let us purchase some of their cars that were not going onto the front of the lot. So I started saving some money and I started flipping the cars while working there. So that entrepreneur spirit started coming back. From there, I kind of went, I went, I climbed that little sales job. And then I see this YouTube commercial and it's this guy, Ty Lopez. And he's like, oh, I'm hiring people to come work for me. So if you want to learn how to make money and blah, blah, blah. And at the time, I'm like, like kind of a sleazy sales dude. So I'm like, man, forget this guy. And I see the commercial come up again and again and again. Why does this guy keep coming up? This is a long time ago. I didn't understand internet marketing yet. Why does he keep coming up? And I was like, I, like I, at that point, I was like, I'm not going to climb anymore at the sales job. Fuck it. So I go and I apply for him. I end up working for Ty Lopez for two years. And that, all my bad habits, I guess, as far as entrepreneurial habits kind of got cleaned up through there. And when you're around, when you're in proximity to someone like that, you're able to learn that stuff. Uh, even if it's not directly from him, you just watch this person. Eventually you refine yourself to the point where I, at some point I said, Hey, I know enough now. And I went and started my own business and continued the process again. And that's kind of how we are here now. What, when you think back to that time where you worked with Ty Lopez, what's the thing that 
or there's there's more than one thing. But if you could, what makes somebody like him or you now different from people that want to be entrepreneurs that aren't making it happen? What's the, what's the difference? We, we look at the world objectively. People, I, have, I know so many people that are like in denial and it's crazy. And, the, and there's good denial and bad denial. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But there's a lot of people that are, bad denial is like when someone's like in denial, I'm like, yo, dude, you got to do this. And then they say something like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Or, oh, like that could never happen for someone like me. Or like, I'm doing it, but it's not working the same way it's working for you. And that's like, you're just, and, or they'll say, oh, like, I'm, I'm good enough to do it. I just don't want to do it. It's like uh, when people are smoking cigarettes, I could quit. I just don't want to quit. A lot, that's people, I could be an entrepreneur. I just don't want to be an entrepreneur yet. That's people's like approach and it's gross. Cause it's like, dude, no, you can't just do it then. Um, and then there's on the flip side though, there is good denial where it's like, I legitimately, legitimately, and I'm probably not, but I think I'm the, the best thing since sliced bread. I think I'm the greatest person ever. If you say there's someone better than me at something, I will not believe it. Is it true? Probably not. I'm like almost 100% sure there's someone better than me. Obviously, there's people better than me at business. But in my head, I'm in denial. I'm like, I'm the fucking best. So I think there's, there's two levels of that. But your actions have to be congruent with what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, we got to touch on the I'm the fucking best. Because <laughs> where did that, like, where, how did you create that mind was it all what let me actually say was it always there did you feel like that your whole life or did you actually cultivate that mindset so i have felt like i have felt that way my entire life but i didn't necessarily have i wasn't vocal about it because like people hate people hate that people hate when you say you're the best like a great example like michael jordan people hate michael jordan because he was like i'm the best i'm here i'm the greatest and people dislike that. So like growing up, society teaches you to kind of cage yourself in, to not say you're the best, to be modest. My mom is, she's the opposite of me. Like she does not think she's the best. Um, but she is the best, by the way. But she doesn't think she's the best. So growing up, whenever I kind of started getting like a, a surge of confidence, she'd be like, oh, don't do that. You're not doing anything in life yet. Like, you have no reason to do that. Like people aren't going to like you if you're too cocky, you're too confident. And so I was always told to like bottle it in. And then eventually one day I kind of just looked in the mirror and I asked myself, I'm like, why, if I feel this way genuinely, why do I care about what other people think? Like, why is it going to rub people the wrong way? And I said, fuck it. I'm just going to, start being me, 100% me, 100% authentic, and let the chips fall where they may. If the world hates me, the world hates me. If people embrace me, they embrace me. But you have to just be you. You have to just be you. You have to believe in yourself. People that don't believe in themselves will try and pull you down for believing in yourself. That's just the truth. People will always, even to this day, like I, I, I recently grew my TikTok following. I have like 170,000 people on there. Um, and I've tried to post like really inspirational content to kids like me that are, I guess, kind of that kids like me that were, are lost or like they were trying to figure out a way to start making money. So even 
when I'm trying to put out this like positive content, you have kids that are like, oh, stop showing off, stop doing this, stop doing that. And it's like, like it might be showing off to you, but there's also a hundred thousand, hundred thousand something people that are inspired by this, that are motivated by this, that are going to change their life because of this. So I'm, am I going to stop what I'm doing because a loser wants to just be mad or someone that's insecure wants to be mad? Like, no, like I feel bad for them. But what can you do? Like, that's just the world. I love that MJ mentality because Kobe had that too. Um, LeBron doesn't show it as much, but Kobe had that like, it's like I grew up in LA and I like everybody loved Kobe and I didn't. And it was that, that's what, that's what used to, it was like, it used to poke, push the button for me was that arrogance. And now I can look back and go, well, that was all about my shit, right? That was all about me wanting to feel like that and like not really feeling like it. And so it's like, I projected my frustrations onto him being able to do that, which is like what you're describing with these other people. Right. Cause you can look at your, I can look, I'm seeing your house right now. I can look at the background. You have a beautiful, what this beautiful place <laughs> you live in. I could look at that and be like, man, like screw this guy showing off. Like he lives in two houses or I could go, wow, this is inspiring. Like, how can I learn? How can I get that myself? How can I, I see you got like a basketball hoop. I want a basketball hoop inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we get to choose how we look at the different situations, whether you're showing her off or not is actually irrelevant. It's what I get to take from whatever you're showing me. Um, I want to talk about when the way I was introduced to you was through a, a, a guy that works with me and helps me produce this show. And he said to me, you got to talk to him about manifestation. So I'm all, I, I completely believe that we are creating our lives and our, and I don't think it's like magic. I think it's just like, hey, what you put your energy and your focus on is what will actually, you will create that. And unfortunately, a lot of people put their energy and focus on things they don't want, and then they get exactly what they don't want, and they wonder why. How, tell me about your, you know, about your beliefs about manifestation, how you got into it, and, and how you practice it. Cool. I, I want to touch on that. I want to just piggyback off the thing you said right before, though. Yeah, please, um, go ahead. Because it, it, it's big on that, like what you said, like. Gary Vee says something that's fucking amazing to me. It's like, it's like uh, building the tallest skyscraper isn't about knocking other people's skyscrapers down. It's just about building the best, like the tallest one. So it's like, you could have a really tall one, but I'll just build a taller one. And that's like, it's good because you push each other. It's constructive. It's not destruct destructive. So uh, I think that's like the biggest part. Like, yeah, I might be showing off, but is it showing off in a way that's like, Look at my cool shit. You don't have cool shit. Ha ha. It's, it's not like that at all. It's more, more like, Hey, I have this. If you had, if you have it too, like you have a ranch or something, that's awesome. Also. So it's like stuff like that. It's everyone just goes with their own happiness, but it's cool to see other people have it as well. Um, so that was just my piece on that, but I no, it's, it's a great point. Cause I love that you say that. Cause I think that that's actually that's actually a thing that's in our world right now. I just talked about this on a, on another podcast where we were talking about how people hear like, like black lives matter and they think that means other lives don't matter. Yeah. And that's not what it means. It means like we're trying to raise this group up and I don't mean like the movement. I just mean when people say black lives matter and I think, and somebody pointed to me because 
the idea with it is it's supposed to be constructive. And I got into this conversation, it was on a recent podcast where we talked about how when white, when black people say black power, it's not, let's go take everyone else's power away. It's simply about rising up their power. And because traditionally when people said white power, that's destructive, mm-hmm. right? White power isn't constructive. Like, hey, let's get together and help everyone else out and grow. It's like, we're going to take our energy and, and smash everyone else's down. And I love that analogy that you use about the buildings because me building a biggest, the biggest building or me building the biggest life or me building the biggest community doesn't have to take away from anyone else's. You can build yours too. Use mine to build yours even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a beautiful way that you put it. And I think we're seeing it politically. We're seeing it racially. It actually, I love the idea. I wrote, I, I just wrote down, it's like you can view these things as constructive or destructive. Mm-hmm. True. But uh, yeah, so manifestation. I know we got a little sidetracked. Go, go. I needed to say that, but um, my thoughts on it. So the reason I think, it was so big to me, so, so big to me because I've seen it firsthand. And it's not like, it's not, I hate when people are like, I manifested this, I manifested this water bottle. And it's like, no, you didn't. You went to the store, you bought it. That's not manifesting something. That's like, you, you can easily do that. But I think when you make declarations that are just so, so out of pocket, so like far-fetched and they happen, there's, there's something divine about that, like that entire thing. So my, my personal example, I, back in 2014, this is when I started kind of that confidence you're talking about, or like that feeling like I'm the best. About six years ago, that's when I started kind of having that, that feeling of like, hey, I'm the best, I'm gonna do this. Keep in mind, I'm 18 years old, not, I had like $100 in my bank account, if that, like I had nothing going for me, nothing. But here I am on Twitter, talking shit I, I remember i was on twitter and i was like i posted a picture of an i8 bmw i8 and i'm like i'm getting this car soon and everyone that saw it was like this kid is a lunatic he's crazy he's actually crazy and uh through the the process of events like the one i told you earlier eventually i started my business and i end up with that car i have i post a picture of me standing in front of that car and I respond to the old tweet because the old tweet is just a picture of this car. It says soon. Five years later, it's me in this car, me standing in front of it. So I went from being an 18-year-old kid with $200 in my bank, $100, $200 in my bank, to someone standing in front of this exact car. And the process, though, the process, it's not like I went to the store or went to the dealership and got it. It fell into my lap, if that sounds like in a weird way, it fell into my lap. Like the timing was perfect. Everything was perfect. I... So when I was 18, I tweeted that car, almost forgot about it, but it was always in the back of my head. And I'm doing all this work, working, working, working. Right when I start my business, when I start making real money, start my, my business is taking off. I ran into this guy and, and he has the car and he's like, hey, like, I, we're just kind of small, small talk, chatting. And I was like, yeah, what kind of car do you drive? And he was like, oh, a BMW i8, dude, my dream car. I was like, I'm actually selling it. And I was like, oh, no way. And he was like, yeah, like, are you interested in buying it? And I was like, can I see it? Shows me the car. It's the exact same color as the one I had tweeted five years ago. So the odds, the odds to line up of me, my business taking off at the right exact, like perfect time, me meeting this guy, 
showing me a picture of the car he drives and like saying, Hey, it's available. You want it? And me ended up, I ended up getting that car from him. It almost like completed the full circle of things. Like, yo, this is real. And more than that, it's, it's scary. If you go, if I go on my Twitter from like, shoot, five years ago, six years ago, six to four to six years ago, everything I've tweeted came true. You cannot find one on there that's, that's false. And it's like out of like really, really far-fetched stuff that like you would never believe. Uh, in 2016, I was like, I tweeted, I'm getting off Twitter. The next thing I post is going to be an article in Forbes about me. And then sure enough, next thing I post four years later, article with, in Forbes and I'm in there. So it's like stuff like that. It's like, that is not a coincidence. I mean, you can say it is, but that's when it happens. When, if it happened once, I get it. But like I said, you go to my Twitter four, six years ago, I can show you 20 tweets that came true. And I, some of it was out of my control. They just happened because I worked towards them. Well, you say they weren't out of your control because you worked towards them. But I, I know what you mean. Like it's, I think manifestation is a combination of like putting something in your subconscious mind, mm. um, believing that it's possible, doing the work to get you to it. And then there's things like fate intercedes. Like you could have met a lot of people. You met that guy. Yeah. And I have a, it's funny you bring up a car story because I have the same. I learned about manifestation through a car also. <laughs> when I was 25, I used to, my favorite car when I was 25 was an A, uh, the A5 Audi. And it was like pretty new when I was 25. It like had only been out for like a year or two. And I was like, that's my dream car. Like I want, I want an A5. I was obsessed with it. I used to get in the shower every day. And while I was in the shower, I would close my eyes, picture a dark blue A5 and talk about, I drive an A5. And I would say, I drive an A5, dark blue, um, uh, I don't, I, I, I had the money to afford it. Like it wasn't even a big deal. I used to like go through this every day and every day in the shower around 27 or 28. It was like, I was getting ready to look for like a new car. I was like looking around. I really wanted one. I couldn't afford it. They were too expensive. And one day I'm driving past an Audi dealership. That's way out, not in the area where I live by. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I should just see. And they have one that's like a like used, barely used for a really good price. And I'm like, I can make this happen. And I drive off that lot in that Audi, but here's where it gets even crazier. I never thought I would buy a used Audi. The Audi that I got had a bunch of problems. Like it, it like stupid problems. Like the window would get stuck or the CD player wouldn't kick out the CD, right? This is when everybody, <laughs> this is 10 years ago. And I called up Audi after having them, they had a warranty on it. They were repaired all the time. And I said, Hey, you know, I think this car is like a lemon. And they go, send us all the paperwork. They go, you're right, this car is a lemon. So you have an option. We'll give you your money back that you bought or we'll give you a brand new Audi A5. Oh, dude. And I was like, wait, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, so what color do you want, what not? So then I get a call back like a few weeks later from the, the rep from Audi and he goes, hey, so we have a problem the year and model that's out right now, there's none of those colors available. So if you, if you could either change what colors you want, cause they sold all those, they're already sold. Or if you want to wait for the next production line to come <laughs> off the factory, we'll get you exactly the one you wanted. And I'm like, you gotta be what? And so in like 
basically around two, I don't remember. I was like almost 30 at that time. Uh, Audi, they, I showed up to an Audi dealership and I just had to bring the one I bought and they just literally signed it and handed me a brand new Audi A5 in the color I had wanted. It was white, which is what I chose that second time around. Um, and so for two, I had those, I ended up moving to New York. So I ended up selling the car eventually anyway, but I had, I had two Audis for about two and a half years. And all that it ever cost me was like the $4,000 I had to pay in taxes to buy it, mm-hmm. which is like, makes no sense. It's right? crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I say something like, uh man like manifestation is like my like my one sentence phrase for it it's like manifestation is just meeting the universe halfway because no one's going to go all the way but when you manifest something it's just you meeting the universe halfway i love that that's a that's a great insight for people that don't maybe they're not familiar with manifesting like they're they just don't you know, now they're like hearing me, they're like, wait, so I got to get in the shower and talk about what I want to myself and close my eyes. How, for somebody who is new to this and is like, well, maybe I've heard about it. I don't know. What does it look like for you to practice manifestation? So your brain doesn't, your brain doesn't know when you're bullshitting, even to yourself. If I tell myself I have a million dollars, my brain doesn't know the difference between that and a thousand dollars. So if I'm saying, hey, I have a million dollars, and my brain is saying, like, my brain doesn't know. Like, I'm telling, I'm forcibly telling my brain, I have a million dollars. I have a million dollars. I have a million dollars. It's not true in the real world, right? But my brain is like, you have a million dollars. You're almost tricking yourself. In the same way that people uh, trick themselves into thinking some crazy things. Like, uh, they, they, people fool themselves into crazy things all the time. People fool themselves like, I'm stuck where I'm at. They're manifesting. They're just manifesting in a negative way. When, you, when people say, oh, I, I can't do anything. I'm not smart enough. They're manifesting in a bad way. When you say something like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. You're manifesting in a good way. So I guess practic- practicing it is, is a couple of different ways. It's one, telling yourself every day as much as possible and genuinely believing it. And two, there's also like outward. Like I feel like with me, I said it so much out into the world because I didn't want a plan B. I didn't want, I think I tweeted this also, like 10 years, I said 10 years from now, I'm either going to be on Forbes or living under a bridge. There's no plan B. That was, that's what I was going to do. And because I was so vocal about it and I was just putting it out into the world, it couldn't, and, and my actions were congruent with what I was saying, like, Hey, I want this. I hate when people say, I want something. And then they're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go take a nap. Dude, you want something, go do something. Uh, But because I was saying it and I was vocalizing it and putting it out into the world and telling myself, and then my actions were congruent with it. Nothing can stop you. Like it's only a matter of time before like you get it, whatever you're manifesting. I don't think people even realize how powerful the things we say to ourselves are. When I was, a little kid, I remember my mom saying to me, you know, you, you make a mistake or you do something wrong. And you, we have that thing where we're like, Oh, I'm so stupid. And I remember my mom saying to me when I was young, your brain doesn't know that that's not true. 
my mom's a was a therapist and, and she didn't just know this because she heard it but she knew it from the science of the brain was like when you say something about yourself or to yourself your brain interprets it as truth so if you mess up and you say i'm so stupid or i'm such an idiot which we do naturally like all the time out of habit your brain hears that and believes it and then it may, and then it reinforces it so you might not be thinking I'm so stupid on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level, that's actually what you believe about yourself. And I hear the way you talk about manifestation is a version of that. It's, it's actually conditioning your brain to believe what you want it to believe, not what it might believe by default. Mm-hmm. And I mean, reality, your, your reality is real. Like perception is reality mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Like, like, if your brain doesn't know you're full of shit, your brain doesn't know you're full of shit. So if like I were to say something, my brain's kind of like, oh, okay. And I'm like, cool. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted you, but your brain doesn't know you're full of shit. No, you're, yeah. No, it's a great, it's a great point. Is there anything you want to leave people with, you know, as we come to the end of this, this conversation, you've, you've shared so many cool things and so many cool ideas and just like your life with us and, and the experience of life that you've had. Is there anything you want people to know that maybe you haven't said before, you haven't talked about before anywhere that you're like, man, I, I, I've been waiting for a minute to share this idea or this thought. I'm pretty, I'm pretty open and very transparent about my life. So I don't think there's a, any, there's not too much. Oh, actually, I got one. I got one for people. Now, now I think about it. Um, and this is a, something I just came to recently, which is why I haven't shared it. But stop focusing on the wrong things. Uh, focus on what you want. Because I feel like I've always said that, but I've come to the realization lately that society will tell you what to want. And Sometimes it's not even what you want and you're just going along with it because you, you, you tell yourself it's what you want when it's not. So focus on the things you want. Don't focus on anything else uh, because regardless of whether you make millions of dollars, whether you make hundreds of dollars, whether you make no money at all, if you're focusing on what you want, that's when you're going to be the happiest and in my opinion, the, the most successful. Yeah, I love that. Renee, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your life, your story, your fa- like some things about your family and your younger days. Uh, thanks for giving us like the insight into how you become successful and achieved and gotten the things you wanted and really like practical things. There's no magic to this. I mean, you're like, this is what I did. I try things. Maybe they work, maybe they don't, but I, I just keep kind of swinging. Uh, What's the best way for people, if people want to follow you? I know you mentioned TikTok before. What, what social medias are you on? What are, the, what are the best ways for people to follow you or reach out to you? I am omnipresent. So you can go on Google and put Renee Lacage. You can go on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the works, Facebook. Just put Renee Lacage. You will find me. Um, pretty easy to find. Awesome. Thanks again for being here. Appreciate your time. Go enjoy that basketball hoop in that beautiful house. (laughs) And uh, hopefully we'll have you back at some point in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Take care of yourself, man. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream. And I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. 
You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.